Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours. Well, give or take. It's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to Stolen Droids Podcast, episode number 207. I'm Schmitty. I'm Colin. I'm Donna. And I'm Zoot. We are back to full power. Yeah! Huzzah! Over 9,000. <laughs> Over 9,000. Uh, what's going to happen when we actually hit episode 9,000? I don't know, but episode 9,001 is going to be awesome. I have a feeling it's going to be an hour of a screen. Vegeta. Let's see, we'll all be retired uh, for one. <laughs> so we'll have time to actually get good content. <laughs> <laughs> How many years is that? Episode 9,000. That's 21 years. That's a lot of counting. <laughs> 9001 is just going to be an hour of us yelling into the camera with a flash screen behind us. <laughs> Get off our lawn! <laughs> well, that's one thing to yell. All right. Um, Meanwhile, I'll still have my youth. And be single. <laughs> uh, hey, we're brought to you by our friends over at 4814 Web Hosting, Open Book Audio, and Stitcher.com. And brought to you also by our wonderful partners over on KryptonRadio.com, TrekRadio.net, and Radio KSCR. Um, we have no feedback this week, but we did put out a poll and we have been getting a lot of responses on it. And, uh, we thank you if you've responded, if you haven't responded, we'll put it in the show notes again, but we really, really, really want to hear what you guys have to think about our show as it is right now. Do you want more tech? Do you want more geek? Do you want it to be in separate shows? Do you want it to be shorter, longer, whatever? And could you at, at the very least be consistent in your answers? Cause it's really confusing when you're not. <laughs> I want to know who it was that said they just listened for Zoner. Yeah, I'm interested in that as well. Especially I, since they said they don't listen to our show. <laughs> Maybe I they don't, don't listen, listen to our show because of Zoner. I want to hear you. Uh, was that the one that said they want more politics as well? Y- yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't listen to your show, but I watch you sleep. <laughs> <laughs> that was the NSA answering. That's not no. creepy. That's good, because I sent them a link, too. I was hoping they'd respond. Yeah. Hey, um, so the big news headline source this week is from Apple. They had their Spring Forward event on Monday, where they announced the new MacBook and the Apple Watch, as we expected. And so let's let's go right into it. Uh, let's start off with the good. The good is the new MacBook. I should say the okay. <laughs> I was going to say, there's only one maybe good thing about that. There's a few good things. Let's let's okay. be perfectly honest. It is a beautifully designed laptop. It is super thin. It is a beautiful bit of engineering. And if you are looking for an ultralight laptop of that screen size, then you got to admit there are few options that are better. Very few. Yeah. Yeah, you're um, right about that. It's a good ultrabook or what well, can't really be called an ultrabook, but uh, as as someone from uh, TechCrunch put it, uh, it's it's basically an iPad with a keyboard. Yeah. Now, the keyboard is getting some mixed reviews. To get it so thin, they had to put a new butterfly-style design switch. And it means that it looks like the keys are totally flat. However, they do have a bit of give. And some people are saying that they didn't like it. Some people have said that they liked it, but it took them a while to get used to. And some people have jumped right into I think it's going to be a matter of personal taste. Um. But as much as I like to rag on Apple, you can't really fault him. They had to design something super skinny. A standard keyboard just wasn't going to work. Yeah. yeah. Is, this, is this the one that's 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Which is not out of the realm of normalcy for a MacBook. No, it's There's not. a $1,300 one and a $1,500 one. And it's, it's pretty well spec for what it is. I mean, it is more geared to your standard consumer than yeah. anything business-related. I will say, the, the really cool thing, I think, is the fact that it has no fans. It's completely fanless. Purely it, passive it, cooling, yeah. Yeah, it uses the new Intel... Um, Celeron that uh, Celeron M, I think, and it can go with no fans. It's thinner and lighter than the MacBook Air, which is confusing to me because didn't they basically just outspec their own product? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's it's only I think two millimeters thicker than the iPad, uh, the iPad, the thickest iPad. So it's it's pretty thin. It's super thin. I don't know quite how they did it, but it is quite amazing. Interesting uh, new development. They have the new, or what are they calling it? The touch-sensitive, oh, that's a dumb way to say it, the pressure-sensitive touchpad. Pressure-sensitive, yeah. 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 That one, I'm not a fan of them just kind of getting rid of the right-click option on that and then just completely making it so user touch-sensitive in order to do your force options. We, yeah, we have to clarify, if all touchpads are touch-sensitive. By pressure-sensitive, it can actually tell how hard you're pressing the pad. This is not new technology. This has been around as, as long as touchpads have been around yeah, uh, back in the day. And, yeah. yeah, way, way back in the day, compact laptops used to uh, have a little tray icon, and you could switch it over into mood mode, what they call mood mode. And when you pressed on your touchpad, it could tell how hard you were pressing, and it would do like kind of a mood ringish effect kind of worthless and back then you only had 300 megahertz to play with so it was a real system suck but i don't know quite what this brings to the table i mean i haven't used one colin i think you use macs more than any of us here even though you're not a mac yeah fan. the the only real thing with the pressure sensitive is just going to be the force click option from what i can see why couldn't they have just left a long click they could have but yeah know. But innovative. Uh, this is Apple we're talking about here. Yeah. It's I revolutionary, it's you guys. Come on. I, I see one one possible use case for this it would be for graphic artists because you have we've had the Wacom tablet for I don't, a couple decades now that is pressure sensitive, and they use the different um, different strengths on the pad to do different uh, marker widths. I, I could and see that. Like that, but that's the only thing I can think of where it's actually practical. I can see that, and I that was something I thought about too. But um, and I'm not a graphic artist. Would you want to use a, a space that's that small? No, it would be way too small for that. Coming from a from a marketing company that I'm in right now, our our artists would hate that. Yeah, most Wacom tablets are 13 inches. Yeah, I, I think the smallest one is five inches, and going down to a, a three inch size. So maybe like. You know, they'd need to do a quick job for something. If I was using case. MS Paint and doing stick figures, perfect. <laughs> I bought a $1,500 laptop to do this. This is the best stick figure ever. Think different. Um, in case anyone's wondering, uh, the touchpad area, of course, it, it's larger than a normal PC touchpad area, but it's still a really small laptop, so it's constrained. I'd say it's a little bit larger than that signing pad you have on most uh, checkout stands, you know, where you run your card and you have to sign. Yeah. It's a little bit bigger than that. It's too small a workspace. Now, good and bad here, and this is where we're going into the part I don't like about this, and I'm not the only one, it turns out. They have the new USB Type-C connector. We've talked about this in the past. It's the new really cool tiny little oval thing. It can do bidirectional power. It can daisy-chain multiple items. It can um, do all sorts of things, and it's reversible. 
Yeah. So you can, (laughs) yeah, super awesome. It's also the only port on the thing, except for the headphone jack. Yeah. Um, I don't know what they're thinking. According to them, they could only fit one port on there. I really think that their way of thinking around this is that it is meant for consumers. It's not meant for your power user who's going to be going in, plugging in his monitor, plugging in an additional keyboard mouse, you know, and all that. It's it's just very generic. I do hate how the technology isn't there for all the additional equipment, so you have to buy an adapter additionally to be able to downsize. And yeah, meaning you're going to have to have your Thunderbolt adapter. You're going to have to be able to have your standard USB and so on and so forth. Yeah, I get that for, and, and, and I, I get also from a design point of view, how they wanted to make it look sleek and everything. Um, but I don't, I don't think having an extra, extra port or two, two more ports on it would make it, would take away from sleekness, uh, which is, I think what their goal was here. I I don't know. They could have done better with that. Well, and, and now, seeing the take apart of it, I think that they could have added another USB-C at least, no problem. It looked like there was enough space. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and here we should really clarify to people because I think the idea of the Type-C connector is still really new. We're unfamiliar with it. People, this, this can be your HDMI port or your display port or your FireWire or uh, no... No, it cannot, cannot be FireWire. There's too much of a hardware incompatibility there. But it can be the charging port. It can be all of these things. It's a very versatile port. So I can't fault them for wanting to use it in this way. But here's where it gets annoying. There's only one. So if you want to charge your laptop, you can't plug anything in. Unless you have now, an additional adapter to do so. so. Right. Now, they are selling an adapter, and so far they're the only ones who do. This will. They probably won't be the only ones, but right now they are. It's 80 bucks. It looks like an octopus. <laughs> so you just spent up to $1,500, let's be honest, $1,600 on this sleek, beautiful thing so you can lunk around an $80 adapter to do anything. And I mean anything. SD cards, USB sticks, anything. Yeah, additional output, uh, HDMI output. I just... um, And that it doesn't end there. The webcam... The FaceTime webcam is they're they're advertising it as a 420 no sorry 480p. No, it is 420, isn't it? <laughs> we'll have to look that up. Anyway, um, people, that's we've all gotten very used to 1080p, 1080i, 720p. What they're saying as a resolution is basically your webcam from 2003. Yep, and. Another thing to point out, too, is for those not familiar with USB-C, this is going to be the new standard. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's they've, they've gone ahead. They have put themselves first in the market for this new technology. Um, well, yeah. And you're going to have at least up, up to, I think, 10 gigs worth of transfer speed for it. Mm-hmm. It can, and, and when I said it can take bi-directional power, it means that you can plug in a power cord into it, and while it's taking power in through that, it can also put power back out to an accessory. So it's kind of cool that way. But the webcam is what confuses me the most. They put in a 12-year-old webcam onto a laptop that has a retina display. Yeah. So you're going to be now, able to by, see just how crappy that webcam is. By you're going to look like you're made out of Legos. By comparison, that camera. Okay, so the iPhone, the first generation iPhone had a two megapixel camera. 
1600 by 1200 that beats this <laughs> the first gen iphone has a better camera than this macbook why on earth would they cheap out so much on that little component i don't know it, it's baffling it, it makes no sense. It, it truly makes no sense whatsoever. Well, it's interesting, um, too, because Apple is always touting how good their cameras are. And so, well, and, why? Yeah, and, and if they, have the, they have the retina display, which means that it has a 1440 resolution on, the, on their own monitor. It makes no sense. Um, going into other things that make no sense, the Apple Watch. <laughs> uh. So last week, I famously put my foot in my mouth by saying it was going to cost upwards around $4,000. Well, I was proven way wrong. I couldn't be more <laughs> wrong because it starts at $10,000. It's the price you pay for beauty. It's not beautiful. <laughs> well, now, okay. in fairness, though, that's not the quote-unquote cheap one that's got the plastic band and the aluminum chassis for... No, the cheap one is still $100 more than the nice Android Wear watches. Yes. Yeah, three, $349 is where it's coming in. The, the Apple Sport watch. That's that's a small yeah, the version, one. though, like the women's version. For the men's, it's another 50 bucks. Yeah. 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 So... This makes no sense to me, either from a technology standpoint or even a fashion standpoint. This isn't a fashion show. I'm not a fashionista, but I like my watches. Yeah. Okay. Well, now, now, Zoner does bring up a good point, though, and I think it's a point in Apple's favor, is that they do cater to the women as well. They have, they have one that's specifically marketed towards the women and one that's marketed towards the men. No other company, no other smartwatch company has done that yet. That's uh, true. That's they, true. I mean, you see models wearing the Moto 360, and it looks huge on their wrist. Yeah, it's, but they don't have uh, a version so, for the man and version for the woman. It's because Apple they're did a that size right. zero, though, Zook. A stiff wind will knock them over. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Honestly, I think most iPhone users are probably women. Um, I, kinda wanna, I don't know. I, I want to do a poll on that and find out. Yeah, that's interesting. Which of the four of us uses an iPhone? <laughs> hey. <laughs> it was by force. Just saying. Colin, no means no. Hey, I can't help that it's a standardization for my company. Your company's dumb. <laughs> could be worse. My, could be a BlackBerry. My company likes security. <laughs> Wow, we won't even. Wow, I can't we won't even, even touch, touch that. that. Wow, <laughs> we like security. We went with iPhone. Mobile device management up in here. What? What was I going to do? Go with BlackBerry? No. Go with Android. Heck, go with There's Windows so Phone. Many, <coughs> too many. Anyway, figures. obscurity oh is gosh. secure. <laughs> so let's keep going on this stupid watch. Um. And, here, here. It's interesting. If you were watching the Apple event, um, it's just like any other Apple event, okay? Big auditorium filled with people. Most of those people are actually Apple employees. The actual tech journalists sit a few rows back. They're the ones who are just typing like mad on their laptops, not actually looking at what's on screen because they're just trying to write everything down and get the live blog up. 
the people that you see on camera are Apple employees. Okay. So we're introducing the new MacBook. Applause, applause, applause. Here's the design. Wild applause, applause, applause. We're introducing this new health fit reference plan. Applause, applause, applause. Here's the new Apple Watch. Applause, applause, applause. Here's the Apple Watch edition starting at $10,000. Nothing. When you can't get Apple employees to applaud their own product. Because they're not getting the employee discount <laughs> on that. Because they can't even afford it. <laughs> they're trying to buy a car. <laughs> I Man, I had a choice. I could either buy this watch or put a down payment on a home. Now, the <laughs> Apple Watch Edition, California. <laughs> which I still contend is the stupidest name of any Apple product yet, um, starts at $10,000. But if you want all the options, it goes up to 17000 And here's why this is super, super stupid to me anyway, from a fashion standpoint. And this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to go into the fashion realm. My watch is a citizen, okay? It cost my uh, my wife who bought it for me, I want to say around $300, which is not that high on the fine watches. You know, it's, it's more than a Timex, but watches can get quite expensive. My watch, if properly maintained, can last forever. It doesn't have a battery. It'll never be obsolete. It's totally redundant. I get that. But it'll last versus a $17,000 appliance that is obsolete a year after you bought it. Yeah. Yeah, a new version will be out next year. You'll have software updates. It'll get slower. Apple will um, change their charging port design. Though, though oh, if, yeah. <laughs> if you are the kind of person to drop $17,000 on a watch, you probably won't mind dropping another seventeen to 20000 next year on their Apple Watch Edition 2. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you're the type of person who drops money on exorbitant things like that, you pull up in your Maserati. Okay, yeah, the dude's got money. Then you see his Apple Watch and you realize, okay, he's also completely brainless. <laughs> you know? And what's really funny about this is the fact that, and this is coming from Apple users who've had this happen, the Apple Watch is only compatible with people who have updated to iOS 8.2. Okay, and that's not new. You know, Android has the same thing. You have to be running Lollipop to to connect to Android Wear. But the difference is, is that if you update your iOS device to 8.2, you now permanently have an Apple Watch app on your phone to go along with the Stocks app and the Newsstand app and all the other apps that came on your phone that you can't hide, get rid of, or move off the phone. Unless you jailbreak it, but that's another conversation so yeah uh, and it's funny how many apple users i know that have upgraded their uh, their os that are actually quite annoyed by that like, like that's the thing they're taking away from it it's kind of funny to me <laughs> it's bloatware from apple <laughs> mm-hmm. now the last little um, apple headline that we need to get to because we're 20 minutes in and we're <laughs> on the second headline um john ive who of course designed all of uh, apple's products actually had a very interesting article uh with uh what is this Forbes? Um, basically says, yeah. yeah uh, basically says the reason why the Apple product's battery life suffers the way it is is because we made it too good. So people just want to keep using it. If people didn't want to use them so much, it, it wouldn't last that long. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, but but uh, no. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and to be fair, when I said that the Apple Watch was forecast to last around two and a half to three hours, 
They've come out and said 18. We'll cut the difference and say six. Um, <laughs> Still means I have to be charging it at work if I want it, if I want to use it on the way home. Well, it's really funny, and I, to be perfectly fair, I probably oversimplified the usage scenario because I don't think anyone's really sure how much they're going to be using their smartwatch yet. Yeah, it's still a new new piece of technology. You know, yeah, I mean, whenever I get a new phone, my first few days, the battery doesn't last more than 12 hours because I'm just playing with it constantly and installing things and uninstalling things and changing settings. Which is to be expected, though, because you've got to get right. everything set up. You know, I I honestly, the way that they're showing, like, all these different apps on the Apple Watch and whatnot, I'm thinking you've got, like, what is that, inch and a half screen that you're going to be mm-hmm. trying to play Angry Birds on? I mean, that's kind of what they're portraying to me. Yeah, uh, and it was really funny because in their usage scenario, they actually broke out. Um, we got 18 hours based on looking at your watch 14 times a day and check getting 15 emails listening to music and it's like they were very specific on what it took to get to 18 hours okay and maybe they're being generous and maybe they're not we honestly don't know it, obviously they don't have meetings there because if you're in a meeting you're checking your watch 14 times a minute not 14 <laughs> times a day well now if you do the meeting right you have your phone sitting in front of you so you don't have to check your watch because you're looking at your phone. It's it's when you're walking around you have to check your watch. Unless you have a CEO who says, quote, no technology, no gadgets. Yeah. No. What if you're in I a meeting and you want to send you know, Zook a little heart? Oh, yeah. I forgot. You can draw crude pictures on it and send hey. it to people like a Nintendo DS. You can draw little Do you know how many crude Do you know how many crude pictures people are going to be sending each other from these stupid yeah, watches? Yeah, I was just thinking how many pictures of penises are going to be transmitted across no, the internet seriously. once that goes live. During during their um during one of their um show-offs of it, they were drawing a flower and it looked like it they were starting to draw a penis. We're, we're we're testing a real life use case scenario here. Uh, please bear with us. They gave it to that four chan guy to see what a he whole would new do. meaning. <laughs> All right, um, moving into our very last Apple headline, and this one's actually kind of cool. If you have an Apple device this month, you get HBO Go. Well, I, I should rephrase: you don't get it; it's just made available to you. You get to pay the forty bucks a month. I'm so excited HBO. to pay, guys! It's going to be great. <laughs> But this is a this is a step in the right direction. It is good, yeah. It's it's good news. HBO Generally. should not have gone Apple exclusive with this because if you want piracy, this is how you get more piracy. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, but Except it's still Android a step users. in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Both Zook and Zoner are right. It's a step in the right direction, but it's also uh, inching towards the wrong direction. <laughs> it's a, it's the tiniest of steps. <laughs> um, okay, let's go into some entertainment news. We seem to like doing entertainment first, right? I do. Yeah. Although no, technically, yeah, Apple cares about you. Technically, Apple was first. <laughs> it was kind of entertaining to watch them fail so hard. Um, oh snap! Ooh. Oh snap! Okay, um, Supergirl. We've talked a little bit about this over the last couple weeks. Hey, girl, hey. Yeah, and, and Dr. Squishy brings it up in the uh, moving picture show, too. So, Which you can hear Fridays. Um, here on StolenDroids.com. Yes. 
Now, Supergirl does not look like what I would expect Supergirl to look like based upon the comic books and upon all the cosplayers at conventions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> can't base anything off cosplayers, though. <laughs> you really uh, can't. This is, it's the new blonde. Uh, this is, this is going to sound very weird. Bear with me. I like the detail of her new suit. Yes. Okay? This is not a spandex leotard with an iron-on S. Okay, you can tell there's production value being put into this. Um, her her suit kind of looks almost like that chainmail that you saw in Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. The suit actually um, reminds she, me very much of the suit from Man of Steel in terms of coloring yeah. and everything. It, it's very reminiscent of that. Yeah, the texturing, the layering, very, very good. I'm staring at her chest right now, which I just realized because that's where the, the, the symbol is. But you have the em, emblazoned gold with the... The red on top of it. I mean, it looks good it's the for a Supergirl costume. On her chest. Yes. Um, <laughs> but no, she doesn't look like what you'd normally expect for a Supergirl. But you know what? I'm okay with it. Yeah. I I get that, you know, the the Man of Steel costume, you know, they, they were going more towards the, the style of, you know, it's the, it's the Kryptonian style of armor. Um, it doesn't look like... Supergirl's costume is is like that. It does look like it, like Zook said, like it has more production value to it. Um, but I'm I'm not getting the sense of you know armor behind it, unless it's some tighter, stretchier armor that we're unaware of. I don't know. But it, either way, it looks cool, and the cape looks cool. So uh, usually, when I when I picture Supergirl, it's it's more of a brighter color of outfit. Not kind of the darkened, but I I guess it kind of makes sense because DC the way they're shooting things nowadays it's gritty are yeah. exactly uh, yeah well well and that's that's this is the inherent problem with Supergirl's costume in general um, grittier more realistic yeah well you know what? realistically a girl wouldn't be flying around with a skirt now would she <laughs> touche. I'm just saying the entire premise is a little bit silly there, but I don't know. I like her. I I, I think it'll be good. I I think it looks good. Uh, You know, the one thing that I'm quite pleased with, she doesn't look like a slut. And I I mean, just throw that out there. I mean, she's, she's she's actually modest. She's fully covered, which you don't expect from comic properties nowadays. Well, she actually looks uh, okay. This is going to sound mean and i don't mean it that way so bear with me okay i have daughters you know we all have daughters except for colin who who just wants to date one um <laughs> no i do not want to date any of your daughters clarifying no, none, on that none of right our, now none of our daughters just a daughter <laughs> just, someone's daughter just, out there just making okay? that separation <laughs> she's not super skinny okay she's not this leggy large chested top heavy bombshell she has a bit of a wider face she has a bit she looks like a normal teenage girl girl. next door yeah she looks like an actual normal person and i like that it makes her look more believable as much as a flying person with superpowers can can look so i don't know i get the feeling that dc got really really wary after the whole wonder woman debacle you remember that Mm, with adrian palicki and how people were hating that show before it even launched because of the costume. Yeah, it looks like they're playing it safe, and, and I, I think they're playing it right. It's, it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my only thing is, I still just, 
have an issue trying to separate her from what she was previously casted as um, in Glee. And so trying to get my mind she to was click. In Glee. Yeah, she was. Let me tell you how to do that, Colin. Don't watch Glee. You know what? <laughs> Man up and I, stop watching Glee. I, I had the same issue, and I'm going to regret <laughs> stating this. <laughs> yeah, but you I are. Used to watch, <laughs> I used to watch this show. Uh, what was it? Um, My Secret Life as an American Teenager or something like that. And um, Shailene Woodley was in that, who was in Divergent. And I have the same issue when she was in Divergent, separating her from that show and seeing this woman who was, like, the most horrible actress ever. Your issues run a lot deeper, Colin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and let me tell you how to to fix that whole (laughs) Divergent thing. That was a bad movie. Don't watch it. Okay. That was just a bad movie all around. <laughs> this is true. He's single, ladies. And he likes to watch I your do, shows. I do watch the chick flicks. <laughs> okay, um, into non-chick flicks. But let's be honest, a lot of the ladies love these movies. Uh, the Marvel movies. Usually, they have a huge presence at Comic-Con. They make major announcements. The stars show up. All sorts of fun things. They've actually announced that this coming Comic-Con, they will not be holding conference at comic-con which is big news because they've been there the last what five six years or so yeah they've been there for a while i i'm okay with this you know they've got age of ultron premiering may 1st ant-man opening july 17 which is just right after comic-con ends what are they going to promote i mean captain america civil war comes out next year uh i i almost get the feeling and this may be sacrilegious i don't know um they've Grown too big for Comic Con. Well, what does Comic Con have to offer? They've them? also got that just releasing things to YouTube. Yeah, doesn't? they've also got D twenty three coming up. What is that in August that Disney does? Is that the name of the Disney convention? Uh, yeah, it is. D twenty three Expo. I mean, why why go to Comic Con when you've got your own convention that you can go to? Yeah, so that's just kind of interesting. Hey, but you know, it'd be really cool is if they came to Salt Lake Comic Con. Indeed, it would be. Amen. Just saying. And hey, then um, they can sue us even more. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, Star Wars. Another bit of Disney news. I heard it's a good show. Yeah, they're going to have their very first one-off film. Boom. Um, it's going to be Rogue One. Now, if you're not familiar with that, it's a call-out to the Rogue Squadron. This could be kind of cool. The X-Wing Squadron that kicked butt during the Battles of the Empire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's being directed by the guy who directed Godzilla. Um, it's uh, being written by the guy who wrote Cinderella and About a Boy. Um, with uh, the guy who also wrote After Earth having help with the script. So this is going to be awesome. Of course it is. It's Star Wars. I know you were in jest, but it's Star Wars. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> and George Lucas I, isn't doing it, so yes, it will be awesome. I just, I, I get that, and I have faith in Disney. After seeing everything they've done with the Marvel properties and how they've been handling Star Wars so far, I'm excited. But in this article, which is coming from IGN, it's almost like, why did you even bother listing these people's others, other accomplishments? Because... That just fills me with cynicism. <laughs> Good point. But I don't think After Earth was, was Gary Witta's fault. I think that was Will Smith's fault. 
And, and M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> sure. Let's go with that, too. I don't have to. It's fact. It's, like, known. No, but I, I, I love the, the Rogue One story. Um, I, I read some of the X-Wing series in the Extended Universe books, which are now no longer canon. So it's, it was exciting to me to hear about this because the thought that they might bring some of that canon back uh, and that we get to see more X-Wing battles, that's just awesome. I, I keep on picturing for some reason. All of a sudden, there there becomes this big space um, fight, and then it transitions into something else. Just kind of like how Godzilla was, where they would start battling, and then you'd get back into this love story for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Come back, Wedge. Wait. <laughs> oh, who is that? Get to see Wedge again. Now, yeah. who I'm is really that, that X-Wing That's... pilot who left behind their slipper? <laughs> <laughs> Correct me here, Colin, but I mean, I, I watched Godzilla on Saturday, and granted, I was on heavy painkillers, narcotics. That's the only way to watch I it. I didn't really catch a whole lot of the love story other than between like the two Mothra things. Well, it was pretty much... Just they were they were rushing to find each other. The okay, whole time. okay. So that yeah, okay, I get that. And that so was a pretty weak it's love that story. Just constant but, stream. Yeah, but uh, coming from your perspective, I can understand how you'd consider that a love story. Yeah, <laughs> it's still a better love story man. than Twilight. <laughs> yes, it is. Okay, uh, into some other fun news, TV news. AMC has ordered two seasons of a new show. Now, have we talked about the Walking Dead spinoff here? How they were in no, discussions? We haven't. Okay. We so haven't. they're doing a spinoff of Walking Dead, and they are so confident that it is going to be such a big hit that they've already ordered a second season. Uh, it's called Saul's Dead. So it's actually a spinoff of both Walking Dead and Breaking Bad. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> Better call Saul. And Saul's dead. Back to back. It's actually nothing better than zombies and meth all in one place. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> meth zombies. They all have they meth. Kind of do they, they have ways. to try to kill zombies and then smoke the meth out of them? That's that's actually not a bad plan. <laughs> Are you listening, AMC? It'll make the zombie a solid gold right here to deal with. I should be the new director. <laughs> Okay, uh, and in some sad news, the search for Norman Lee has been called off. This may sound like it's out of left field. Um, bear with us. Um, comic book inker Norman Lee uh, is actually very well known in the comic book world. He was uh, vacationing, I believe, uh, off the Royal Cayman Islands. Yep. And, um, yeah. Yeah, he, he went missing. Um, yeah, and they started... They started looking for his body. Uh, he was snorkeling with his wife near their hotel, and uh, they became separated, and his wife never saw him again. Uh, so she filed a report, and the police pretty much have said, yeah, there's there's not a lot that we can do here. The currents in the area are strong, and we don't think we're going to find anything, so we're not going to do anything. So very sad story. Um, he was very well known. He's done work on Spider-Man, uh, Wolverine and the X-Men, uh, you know, very talented artist, very talented inker. And it's, it's a very sad story. So, mm-hmm. uh, moving into another story about another Lee, 
differently. That was yeah, differently, differently. <laughs> I think that might be racist. Um, Michelle Lee, uh, former Google executive, has been called by the U.S. Senate to be the new head of the Patent and Trademark Office. This position has been empty for two years, and we know what's happened in those last two years. Oh Whole bunch of patent trolls. Yeah. Can I just tell you, I'm a little bit excited that a former technology exec now holds the position. Yeah. Which is good. I they, think they point out that the, the backlog of unsigned, unexamined patents is at about 600,000 patents. Um, so there's work to be done. I'm not saying that the, you know having one extra head over the, uh, the patent office is going to fix that, but they definitely do need more more work over there. So yeah, so this is kind of cool. In uh, other kind of political kind of technology news, um, we didn't talk about it, but it broke. I want to say a week and a half ago or so, Hillary Clinton was found to be running her own email server when she was acting as Secretary of State. Now, from a political standpoint, this is obviously being debated a lot, and there's a lot of good arguments on both sides. I think from a technology standpoint, I personally think it was actually kind of brilliant. Actually, uh, did we talk about this? I don't believe we I don't, did. I don't think we did. We get confused because sometimes we chat during the week, and I think Zahn and I chatted about this during the week, but I don't think we talked about it on the show. <laughs> now, as brilliant right? as you may think it is... I'd like to put that with the asterisk from a purely sysadmin point of view. Yeah. It's, it's so, so, so wrong <laughs> from well, a, an administration slash record keeping slash transparency point of view yeah there like i said there's there's arguments on both sides but part of the um the fallout from this of course is people coming from both sides of the aisle going well she should have done this well she shouldn't have done that one of her primary uh, opponents who've been who's been going against her uh has said that you know i don't see why she even did this i don't know why she couldn't just use the regular one i've never even sent an email well, this is this is not a primary thing. This is a senator who is <laughs> on the subcommittee for technology, Lindsey Graham from South Carolina, who I got to say is a complete embarrassment just as a human being. <laughs> I, does anyone remember the series of tubes from a few years ago? With uh, who was that? Stevens, Senator from, Stevens from Alaska, yeah. Alaska. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, he was in charge of a subcommittee on technology as well. Uh, and said that the internet was not a dump truck. It was a series of tubes. Which it is, yeah. That's totally true. I saw them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally true, you know. And if you want your internet, then you give it to your person, and they bring it to you. Or- they send you uh, They send you your own internet, and sometimes no, I- that internet won't come till tomorrow. I saw a server room of the company I work at, and, you know, you have your regular uh, ethernet cables, but then they go into a tube, and they disappear because the tube takes it from there. Yes, yes, like a pneumatic yeah. tube. Yeah. <laughs> I just have always so I've always wanted to work in an office with a pneumatic tube. So was, Time it, Time Magazine, they released an article on this, and it shows a silhouette figure of Hillary Clinton, and above her is the M, right behind her, and it literally looks like there's horns. Coming from her head. 
Nice. Zoner, don't say a word. I think that's so stupid. They've it's happened like thirty four times. I think it's a freaking M. <laughs> it's just funny the way that it's positioned and with the silhouette. Maybe she's a cosplayer. That could be cat ears. You don't know. <laughs> she could be Catwoman. Anywho, I the reason I put this in here is because it's concerning to me that amongst a lot of our politicians, it seems to still be a badge of honor or something they brag about when they say something that paints them probably accurately that they know nothing about technology or they're just not familiar or comfortable and with it. And they do wear it as a badge of honor, which is completely asinine in this day and age where technology rules our lives. And we talked about it on SD files uh, which you can hear tomorrow, but where, 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 can right here, that? right here at stolendroids.com. Stolen but uh, technology is soon going to be eliminating humans. Uh, AI is to the point where our robot overlords are, are playing pitfall right now on the Atari 2600. And it's only a matter of time before they go and, you know, it's, it's useful idiots like this who say that they know nothing of technology that are going to be the probably the last to survive. Who 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 brag that they know nothing about technology? Yes. That's what. Yeah. Well, it's the same okay. people that are passing the laws about technology. That's what gets me is that they're passing these laws about technology that they don't understand anything about. Which is leading mm-hmm. to the robot overlords that we're soon going to be That's experiencing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, powered by Facebook, evidently, and Google. This. This is weird. I think we brought this up like a couple of years ago. Schmidt, I think this is one of your headlines originally. Yeah. But Facebook founded a um, a hardware project known as the Open Compute Project, where they designed their own hardware and then released the specs uh, to the open source community. Which is a good thing. It's a totally good thing. But it's you wouldn't think that someone like like Facebook would actually design and build their own hardware. But it kind of makes sense that they'd have to to handle a lot of the load. Well, the first product, the, the fruit of that labor, is coming out. It's called the Wedge Network Switch. Um, it should come in at a lower price than you'd normally expect. It has 16 40-gigabit ports to it. It's meant for high-end data centers, but it could spawn an entirely new class of networking device. And from Facebook, of all places... Yeah, built from the ground up on on technologies that that they've patented and designed. So, uh, it's it's not built off of the old, you know Cisco technology or uh, Netgear technology. It's it's all their own. So it's it's a completely different paradigm of how of how networking works. It could change the industry. It really could. And and Facebook, I don't believe, is the only one in the Open Compute project. It's still not that big yet. No. But Google's got a hand in it, and Amazon has a hand in it. So it's just kind of cool, I think. Yeah. Um, again, probably not something that you'll see a lot on the consumer level. I, I'm speaking from an industry uh, analyst. It's just kind of cool in a geeky sort of way. Not cool. UTorrent. <laughs> so UTorrent has often, and they're not the only ones. You know, you start to install things. Yes, I agree. Yes, I agree. I told you I agree. Wait a minute. How did I get all this spyware installed on my machine? <laughs> and it's because they usually bundle it in with the installer, right? uTorrent has been doing that too, but they always say they're doing it until now, where they are silently installing Bitcoin mining software. Now, the reason they're doing that is because 
mining bitcoins takes a lot of power, a lot of computer horsepower, and a lot of actual literal electrical power. So why not have someone else do it for you? <laughs> now, th- this would be a little better if you got a chunk of that that change that you were mine you were helping mine. But no, you don't. This Bitcoin mining software is all. It, it's essentially a, a piece of malware on your computer taking. It's practically a botnet. Yeah, it's a botnet that someone else is going to be making money off of. So, I mean, in, and in all fairness, it, it will only be using your CPU when you're not using your computer. But still, that's your your power, your computer that that they're making money off of. It, it seems it, it is wrong. I was going to say it seems wrong, but it is wrong. It's what that's why botnets are frowned upon. <laughs> frowned upon is a good way of putting it. <laughs> well, and they still sub- I was using my words. They still subject you to ads, poorly photoshopped ads, mind you, of Asian and Russian women who are looking for love. So. Ooh. Yeah, Wait. Colin, you might want to go ahead up. and install an older version. <laughs> Okay, let me work on that. I'll find one. (laughs) (laughs) What? I got to find a wife somehow. You perked right up, man. You perked right up. (laughs) I wasn't even paying attention to the rest of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. um, Let's see here. Yes, I just clicked. I don't even know how it's going to sound through the mic. I've never done that before in 207 episodes. (laughs) 206. (laughs) Uh, I'll fix it in post. Okay, so. (laughs) We laugh because Um, we know you won't. (laughs) I won't. I totally won't. Uh, Google did launch an interesting thing just today, in fact, I want to say. It's their new cloud storage Nearline. Another industry thing that probably most consumers won't ever use, but it is available to consumers too. Google has long offered online storage, right? Their Google Drive, their Google Docs. Um, but this is meant for storage you don't regularly access. So long-time storage, or what's known as cold storage. Cold data, yeah. Yeah, cold data. Data that you saved once, and you're saving it just because you need to, but you probably won't ever actually use it. Um, now, Amazon has theirs as well, called Project Glacier. The problem is is that once you store things to Project Glacier, and you want, if you ever need to access it again, it could take up to an hour for them to find the data, remount it, and get it ready for you to access again. And if it's Google, enough data, they'll 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 have to burn it to a drive and send it to you. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, Google has what they're calling Nearline, in which their cold data is only three seconds away from being accessible again. Which, which I'm not really begs, sure how they're going to do that. Yeah, which begs the question: How cold is it actually? No, so so the idea with the Amazon's Glacier storage is that they'll they'll put all this data onto a hard drive and, and, and replicate it um, for what you pay for. If you pay for triple replication, we'll have it on three hard drives. And then they'll cut the power to it and physically store it in a cold vault somewhere. Um, and so when you request it, um, a system administrator gets the request. They go and physically pull the hard drive and pop it into the server. And that's why it takes up to an hour to get your data. It's with, almost safer that way, though, because a hard drive's not going to lose data if it's not turned on. Right, and, and well, that's how cold hope. data works. With, <laughs> Unless they put in a microwave. or <laughs> With Google Cloud Nearline, that's not what's happening. It sounds like what's happening is, well, and, and the, the hard drive might still be unplugged, but it's, it's right there in the server rack, ready to be 
turned on at any moment. Once you hit a button, the connection is made. Or it, even if if the hard drive is turned off at all, it sounds like the hard drives are, are on and spinning. It's not cold data storage. It's conceivable that Google has enough hard drive space and, and uh, server space that they could all your your data could always be live. And if a hard drive is um, ready to die, it just replicates it to another hard drive. So it's it's possible that it's not true cold data storage. They're just advertising as such. Yeah, it, there's a lot of questions still based behind it. But what isn't in question is it's freaking cheap. We're talking one penny per gigabyte. Yeah, pretty cheap. Which, which is pretty good, I think. Uh, that is the same price as Amazon's, but of course they have the benefit where it's not truly cold. Chances are good that no one's going to even know to use this. And then like a year down the line, if that, maybe eight months, they're going to announce that some new Google service that we've been using for years has all been on Google Nearline this entire time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, it, it kind of makes me wonder if Google Nearline is just another way to uh, tout their cloud service. Because in if what I'm saying is correct and it's not truly cold data, it's using the exact same infrastructure of their cloud storage just under a different name and under a different pricing plan. Yeah, it could be the thing that, that basically runs Google Mail. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> um, in hilarious news, <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Um, <laughs> there is a particular type of program that I hate called Panda Antivirus. I hate it because at a previous employer I worked at, they had it installed everywhere, and it was like an infestation I had to get out. <laughs> it was impossible. Uh, computers that I couldn't uninstall it from, I ended up having to just wipe them clean because it was such a nightmare, and it did nothing. It was worthless. Um, Zook, you have me to partially thank for some of those. My time <laughs> at Staples, it was one of the only antiviruses that was actually somewhat decent that we actually sold. <laughs> well, I hate you. <laughs> years and years ago when I worked for MSN doing tech support, that was the one that we were told to help people install as well. So, yeah. Uh it's it's a horrible program. Uh, it doesn't even come with an uninstaller. You have to like actually learn the command line switch to get it to uninstall because there is no built-in uninstaller package. And then you have to uh, go which, into the registry and <laughs> Yeah, it, it's yeah. Um, I had to learn PowerShell just to learn how to uninstall that damn program. <laughs> Linux look, is looking pretty good now, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, it's still not. Yeah, I, I've started the Linux lessons, and I swear the first three chapters of my uh, my online course is like, welcome to the Church of Linux. It's like those Scientology ads that goes on and on about, no, we're totally not a cult. We promise. <laughs> you just start hearing bells ringing in the background. <laughs> Anywho, they uh, Panda pushed out a patch recently, which basically gave it the digital equivalent of lupus. Yay! It marked some of its internal core programs as viruses. <laughs> it also put Office, Chrome, Firefox, and Windows updates on its hit list. <laughs> so as it starts you, deleting System Thirty Two. <laughs> so you can imagine what happened here when your computer basically developed an autoimmune deficiency. It's like AIDS for computers. <laughs> Congrats, your computer is borked, and now you can't get on the internet to get to fix it. <laughs> yeah, Good for you. Um, I I have this huge grin on my face, which is probably inappropriate considering the subject matter, but it's just so dumb. 
And I, I don't know. It's kind of just desserts because I hate that company. Hey, so they have the a picture of a panda. They're on the unfortunate okay. side, if if you have been affected by this, it sucks. And and we're sorry. We're not making light of the situation. But oh, totally. It's it's really. I mean, I I don't know what to say. We how how do you fix your computer if you've been affected by this? The best thing you can do is just take it to. Your nearest IT professional. <laughs> Who will then promptly shoot it in the face. They'll, they'll just <laughs> Sorry, reinstall it was in pain. <laughs> it's in a better place now. $200 yeah. later. Oh, So um, we don't really have time to go into it really in depth, but way ahead of schedule, uh, the FCC did release their official notes. I mean, that's not the right word, not notes. but uh, They released they the did document. Release th- the document for net neutrality. Um, I'm bringing this up just to inform everyone that it is out there. I'll put it in the show notes. Anyone can read it. It's actually not that big size wise, like, like, like size on your computer wise. It's 400 pages, which I can hear some people already saying, wait a minute, Zook, you said it was eight. Zoner was right. He said it was over 300, but I've actually read through it now one and a half times just today. Uh, and I don't read that fast. The truth of the matter is the actual order is like 300 words. It's a very, very legal document, which means like three quarters of every page is footnotes linking to other pages and other. Yeah. Yeah. There's not much to the document itself. Heck, the first three pages are the table of contents. (laughs) But um, if you don't get to reading it, I shared this with the guys, and I think we can all agree it's it's quite interesting, actually, because it brought up in there that uh, people – when I say people, I mean like AT&T and Verizon and telecom companies were going, hey, this is going to affect our freedom of speech. This is going to totally infringe on our freedom of speech. FCC said um, it doesn't because companies don't um, – company carriers and are, don't have a freedom of speech. They don't have speech. They're just conduits for their users' freedom of speech. So their freedom of speech can't be infringed upon. However, that also means that – they can't be subpoenaed or indicted with copyright issues because they don't have a voice. They're just conduits. Which I think all four of us can agree is kind of interesting because that means that movie studios can't sue your ISP anymore to get your information. Yeah. Well, and it kind of makes sense because the same thing happened with, with Ma Bell back in the day when, when legislation was put on, on telephones is that if, if you're cons- conspiring over the phone on a terrorist attack or something, AT&T or Mobile or Verizon or whatever can't be held responsible for that. And Mm -hmm. so it's it's the exact same thing. So it it makes a lot of sense the way they're doing it. Now, they're saying that this is assuming, and this is a big leap here, but this is assuming that your carrier doesn't want to cooperate with the movie studios because it's real (laughs) easy to forget that a lot of carriers happen to be owned by movie studios or vice versa. Comcast, we're looking at you. AOL Time Warner. Yeah. Um, But just saying, I I think that's probably the most interesting takeaway out of all this, and I think everyone can agree that's kind of cool. Um, also, there may be a typo onto the Fifth Amendment part. I'm still not sure about that. <laughs> I'm seriously, con- I- <laughs> I'm seriously confused. I'm looking at it going, wait a minute. I, I Wikipedia and everything. Anyway, we'll put that in the show notes. It really is a fast read. It's very dry. I won't lie. It is so very dry. But uh, if this is something that interests you, you owe it to yourself to actually just read up on it 
you know, get some facts before you listen to everyone else talking about it. So, on to our favorites. Yay. I think we're all fading kind of fast. No, we're just waiting for you to do your favorite, man. Come on, talk, 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 talk. (laughs) I haven't been talking enough. (laughs) Ashley, tell me, have I been talking enough? (laughs) (laughs) Don't you love it when we have listeners who interact with us? Call me out on my crap. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, um, so... Chuck Norris turned 75 this week, uh, and in commemoration of it, uh, the Huffington Post, or HuffPo, as they're coming to be known, uh, I think it's only a couple years before they're going to turn into Hufflepuff, (laughs) they did a supercut of all of his flying kicks, of him kicking everyone uh, in some of his dumbest movie roles. I didn't know he could kick through a car windshield. He does it multiple times. Yeah. but uh, He is Chuck Norris. it does get pretty ridiculous. It's fun to watch. Uh, check it out. <laughs> and speaking of kicking, um, kicking butt this week, the Avengers 2 trailer. Um, it, my favorite isn't the Avengers 2 trailer itself. Uh, this is a kid's dub of it, uh, shared to me actually uh, by Dr. Squishy. Um, and it's the Avengers 2 trailer dubbed over by kids. And they, the kids even do the, the sound effects. And it's... It's really awesome. And you know what's creepier than James Spader voicing Ultron is a kid voicing Ultron. So check it out. And uh, mine happens to be my new addiction, thanks to Zook. (laughs) I think it's all of our new addiction. (laughs) Pretty much. So it's uh, Marvel Contest of Champions. And basically, it's kind of like Street Fighter. Uh, you're basically going in, playing as Marvel superheroes. You can create your own teams, level up your characters. Um, and if you match certain characters with other characters, you can get synergy bonuses. And so... Synergy. Synergy. It's the new kind of energy. Um, but yeah, it's a really fun game. Um, you can play it, challenging people across the world. Um, it's way fun, way addicting. You can even join our alliance you sure look for can. Stolen Droids. Yeah, we have an alliance yeah. called Stolen Droids. Come join us. We may allow you to come in. <laughs> and my favorite, uh, together again, Alan Tudyk and Nathan Fillion have an Indiegogo campaign for Con Man, which basically covers the post-cancellation career of some sci-fi stars. Um they were in a series which was canceled too soon and became a cult classic, huh. kind of like another show that we know. I what that is. Um, they have launched an Indiegogo campaign to fund this. Uh, they are currently at one point four nine six four seven or one yeah one point four nine six million dollars. <laughs> like how far were you going to go? I don't. <laughs> I, it's like pie. Yeah, it's like pie. No, their their goal was. 425,000. They're at 352% of that with 29 days left. I know last week uh, Schmidt was talking a lot about the the new Pebble Kickstarter campaign. I think this one may destroy that in terms of crowdfunding. I hope so. With that duo? Heck yes. Yes. Pebble Time is at 18 million now. So it's going to be hard to beat. Yeah, that is tough to beat. But I mean, Nathan Fillion and Alan Tudyk, come on. Who doesn't want 
to like. I really hope that we can get them to come back to the Salt Lake Comic Con again. Yes, that would be, be awesome cool. and actually together to promote this movie. Yes, yes. So, um, yeah, it's it's freaking awesome. Uh, the video for it is hilarious. Uh, check it out. It is it is well worth the few minutes. And go ahead and contribute. Let's make this happen. All right. Well, that is our show this week. Thank you again for listening. Uh, again, if you haven't already, check out that poll. Uh, we really want to know your answers, your thoughts on it. Leave us uh, email feedback at stolendroids.com. Find us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, join our alliance or our clan or whatever. Anyway, until next time, cheers. End of line. Adios, muchacho. The end. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.